Your sensors are correct. Do not adjust your heading. Your heading. You've discovered the Omega Particle. Streaming to the Alpha Quadrant and beyond. 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 Here's your host. The anchorman of the Federation. The doctor of Dilithium. This is Jonathan Wiegand. Welcome to the Omega Particle Podcast. I'm your gracious host, Jonathan Wiegand, and the doctor is in. Doctor of Dilithium, that is. Uh, Welcome to the program. Today we are covering our last three episodes of Lower Decks, Season 1, in our review. So I like to call them news and reviews. Kind of a morph of our relaxed fit series. So again, not covering super detailed species or galactic events in the Alpha Quadrant, but just going to do review shows that's just a little more down to earth, literally. Anyway, um, welcome to the program, guys. We are happy to be here. Today's exciting because I think the last three episodes of Lower Decks were the absolute best of the whole season. Now, the show definitely got progressively better from episode one to episode 10. But the last three is when they really learned to shine. And I can see why CBS greenlit season two before it was even out yet. So I completely understand their decision. And I'm really happy with how it turned out. But I'm not going to go too much into the review here in this opening segment. Now, um, before we get into that, um, the whole news segment, um, there's a little something that kind of caught my ear. And one of my lifelong best friends pointed it out to me. Last night, I was watching the Alabama-Georgia football game. And that's American football for all the non-American listeners out there. And it surprised me because he pointed out the particular name of a kicker for the Alabama football team. And his name is Will Reichert. This is sounding better all the time. And it, But the way the announcer saying it was Will Riker. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> I mean, if your name's Will Riker, Reichert, but if your name's Will Riker, how do you not just go into the military? Um, I just want to point that out before we got into the more serious Star Trek news. Anyway, um, let's get it straight into the news and the reviews of this week's episode. Fun will now commence. So since this is our last Lower Decks episode for season one, I think it would be a really good idea to have some news about season two. Like I said in the opening, CBS has already greenlit season two, but Mike Mahan, who created and one of the, I think the executive producers of Lower Decks, was speaking to Variety, and he's expounded on what we can expect in season two. Now, it's an interesting direction they're going to go in. Don't know how I feel about it because I hope it's not a hundred percent of the focus a little bit. That's normal. We've always done that in Star Trek. And of course I'm talking about sexuality. Now this isn't something we normally would talk about on a Star Trek comedy show, right? You know, but he said, Mike Mahan said that um, Captain Ramsey, which was from the episode much ado about Boimler uh, Mariner's close friend. They were actually confirmed to be previous lovers at the Academy, which I was like, okay, no big deal. And he addressed that like, yeah, the sexuality is something we're going to expound upon. And we definitely want to become more inclusive, whether it's about sex or gender or race or anything. I'm like, okay, those are great ideals for a society to become inclusive and 
yeah, not be racist or bigoted. I'm like, yeah, totally. But it's just, I hope it doesn't become everything. An episode, fine. Two episodes, meh. I just don't want it to become dominated by that because then you kind of lose sight of the whole show in general, which they've done a brilliant job painting in the first season, in my opinion. However, speaking of season two, he did give a hint that we can expect more TNG cameos. And I especially since, and this is all spoiler, massive spoiler warnings if you haven't finished Lower Decks um, the first season. Just just to be honest, turn off now. But if you have, he definitely said there's going to be more cameos. But I think it's because of Riker and Boimler being on the Titan now. So I think maybe the first couple episodes we can see Riker and Troy a lot more um, just because of where Boimler's at. And he's working on the bridge. So I definitely think they're going to be back. But I, I would love to maybe even see a, a Jordy or even um, maybe a Picard. Just a quick Picard. Maybe. Who knows? Wouldn't it be wild? I know last um, news and reviews we talked about Avery Brooks. Wouldn't it be wild if he came back on Lower Decks? Like the most serious, like well-trained, intense actor comes back on the comedy. 2020, anything can happen. Moving on to some sadder news. And remember a few months ago, I was debating about going to this Star Trek convention in, in Las Vegas in December. Ultimately, I decided not to go because of COVID. And I was like, yeah, it's probably going to get canceled anyway. So I put all this money and this time and then the reservations get canceled. And then I have to, it just seemed like a nightmare. But well, I'm glad I did that because it's middle of October here in podcast land. And they've already canceled the Star Trek convention. But the news I'm bringing up is going to be a little bit interesting. And this is a little deeper level here that you get on the OPP podcast that you may not get other places. Yes, it's canceled. But this is what's interesting is that is that Creation Entertainment, who has been running all of these Star Trek conventions for the past, I think, 15 years, they're actually going to be not licensed by CBS anymore. So that official license agreement between CBS and Creation Network has has hit the wayside. So I guess that contract ended and maybe CBS is going to do something on their own and try to build up the convention circuit. I mean, there are still two official Star Trek conventions lined up in Europe for 2021 and the cruise coming back in 2022. So, I mean, Star Trek and CBS do have officially licensed event outside of their major annual convention so i'm i'm curious to see what cbs is going to do however fear not let not your heart be troubled apparently creation events is still coming back next year in 2021 and they're promising 100 celebrity guests from star trek including shatner including some other captains and it's going to be big it's going to be huge maybe there's going to be convention war a convention cold war you could say for Star Trek in the next coming years until these contract negotiations can kind of get worked out and who knows crazier things. Yeah. But that's just a little bit of the story behind the story. Yeah. I got canceled, but what's that going to mean for future years? We really don't know yet. So that's, I'm going to be really quick with the news today because I know we have three episodes to review and cover and they're going to be a little bit longer because especially episode 10 really good, deep stuff in that one so all right let's move on and let's get to the lower deck reviews
episode eight, Veritas, pretty much to me, this whole episode provides us with the best look at the show's quote unquote mission statement, you know, that the lower decks are unimportant and that Starfleet isn't superior as everyone thinks. Now, if you just watch TNG, nothing else, you would think Starfleet and Starfleet Academy and the cadets are creme de la creme. They're the best of the best. They don't get any, I mean, it's elite. It's the West Point of the Alpha Quadrant. You know, it's it's the tip of the spear. And this show kind of flips that a little bit and says, yeah, they're important. And they're, they're some are tip of the spear. Some are not. Some are just kind of hanging out and don't know what's going on. <laughs> And to me, after watching this episode twice, I definitely believe it's probably could have been the pilot episode because we get this great backstory of all the individual characters because they're in this courtroom. And I'm not going to rehash every event, but as you know, they're in this courtroom and then they have to go down the line and kind of answer and, and kind of explain themselves around this certain event. To me, it just showed the nuances of each individual character, but also how they blended together and how the chemistry between them all. So it could have been a great pilot. However, it still works for the eighth episode of this season. Like I mentioned before, it was a courtroom. And I mean, when I watched it, it kind of reminded me of Star Trek VI, Undiscovered Country and the Klingon Court and the whole nuances of that. Now, this is, as we learned, not as serious as this Klingon court, it's it's kind of a more celebratory, kind of more relaxed um, environment. It almost seems like a party place. Either way, <laughs> yeah, like I said, they were supposed to reminisce, and it, that to me is when it provided the most humor. And and to me, the moment that stuck out is Boimler like screaming at this alien, um, Clar, and he was voiced by um, Kurtwood Smith. He's he's been in a bunch of Star Trek stuff. Boimler is just screaming at this alien that in real life, not everybody in Starfleet is equally important or equally knowledgeable. Like there are variations in in the staff, like these lower deck people, they're just there. And the senior staff aren't these morally intelligent kind of like almost deities that, that have been portrayed in the past in Star Trek shows. Yeah, they're, I think the Saratos senior staff, we kind of see behind the veil, like, no, they have a lot of flaws. This is this is almost to me one of the most realistic portrayals of a ship in Star Trek. I made that maybe controversial, but that's kind of what I'm thinking. And Clar is accusing the senior staff and then even our four main characters of going on the secret mission. And the funny thing is, since all four of them work separately from each other, they didn't communicate and really have no clue what's going on. So it just shows what real life leadership is kind of like if Starfleet was real. Um, they're kind of just going through the motions and they really don't know why they're doing something. They're doing because they're told to do something. And if you ever work for a big corporation, that's sometimes what it's like if you're on the bottom of the ladder. And I mean, that's the whole entire premise of the show, right? In this way, the episode, again, would fit perfectly as an introduction. Still works though. To me, it had a lot of great callbacks. It was very satisfying, the Star Trek-esque theme. And it's the theme of like, okay, it's Star Trek, but there's also this courtroom drama and they mix that. And a lot of other Star Trek shows have done that. And I really enjoyed that aspect of it. It was a great, again, rehash of the characters, flaws and and their strengths. And so that was really cool. So I like that. I mean, because to me, 
it was the combination of the intricate plot, again, the callbacks, the Star Trek theme, and to me, it definitely set a high bar for the remaining two episodes. And and I'm happy to say the other two episodes definitely lived up to that expectation. And to me, the best part of the whole freaking episode was the last like 20, 30 seconds when none other than John DeLance, you know who I'm talking about, Q himself comes back and we learn that he's like this, he just kind of annoys the Ceratos. And he's like, wants them to play a game of chess and cards and soccer, football and all this other nonsense. And he's like, well, we're going to play for humanity. And, and the funny thing is the Ceratos crew and Freeman just act like it's nothing. They're like, all right, just Q, leave him alone. He'll go away. <laughs> and I love that because it kind of shows now, um, I know on DS9, the very first episode when Cisco talks to Bakari, he's like, oh, we've been briefed on Q. So I love that all of Star Trek has been briefed and apparently Q's still hanging out there. And I love that John DeLance came back for like this quick, quick cameo because um, it's been all, it's been a hot minute since we had a, um, since we had a Q appearance in the Star Trek universe. So moving on to episode nine, which is labeled crisis point. Oh boy. This one had a lot to unpack. Um, it was definitely a strong, strong showing in my opinion. Um, it showed how, creative this animation venue can be and kind of how deep and personal now these character arcs have become and showed us how emotionally invested we are in the characters i was very impressed by this um kind of taken aback i love at the end how they we finally see mariner come to accept her mom and come to accept her role on the ceratos and and appreciate her mom there you know um, and it was weird because she was fighting herself. <laughs> it seems something you would um, see in this cheesy 80s action movie now that you say it out loud, but it actually worked really well. And that's a testament to the strong writing um, to me. Now, as we all know, the crisis point was this holodeck program that Mariner made to deal and help her cope with her mother. And I mean, the fact that she was a villain in it and trying to kill her mom, that was, I mean, that, I mean, talk about issues that if you want to create a holodeck movie, with your other friends and the whole point is to kill your mom. <laughs> um, very intense, but I think it definitely helped her with the therapy that she needed to go to and that she initially declined in the quote unquote traditional setting. So we see that, do you know what therapy can be good and come in different venues and different alleyways that we may not think that was a good way to express and, and kind of low key represent to the audience. But it did have some amazing callbacks. Now, if you knew and you caught it, I'm sure a lot of people did. But if you didn't, um, for example, they had that indulgent tour when they were kind of like coming up to the Ceratos and the shuttlecraft. And it, it's like that 10 minute intro from Star Trek one of Kirk and the shuttlecraft. And it's like, okay, come on, hurry up. This is like 10 minutes long. And they kind of poke fun at that. <laughs> and, um, then they also add some lens flare in it to a J.J. Abrams-esque Kelvin timeline. And then I stopped counting at that point because it just started kind of um, rolling up into a ball, how many you could get. It was countless. But if you didn't notice those things, definitely go back for a rewatch. It was it was pretty, pretty funny. Um, I won't really touch on the B storyline. It was kind of just filler in my opinion. So clearly that Mariner story contributes and gets us to 
the conclusion we see in episode 10, which we'll talk about in a couple of minutes. And I'm really happy that they pushed us that way because it was finally, I, I think you couldn't have episode 10 without episode nine. So if it just went from episode, if we went from Veritas to episode 10, you would have missed a bunch of stuff and it would have kind of seen out of place because we needed to see Mariner in that cathartic way of just accepting who she is and who her mother is. And I love how at the very end of the episode, we learn, Boimler learns that Freeman is actually Mariner's mom and that they have this both secret that they've been trying to keep from the crew. And then now, as we'll see in episode 10, it gets out like wildfire and everybody knows (laughs) very quickly. It was nice to see that portrayed Mariner versus Mariner and seeing her go against herself in the holodeck helped her work out some things. Now, I personally would love to have that sometimes because <laughs> we all know that every family has dysfunction. And so wherever you can find your therapy and your cathartic ways of getting those emotions out, it's definitely good. Of course, in a health and, and safe way. <laughs> but yeah, um, I definitely like the theme of this episode. Probably one of my favorites of the whole season. I've been saying that about every episode, but like I said, it gets better and better. So, <laughs> all right, from there on, let's get into the big chunky burger that is episode 10, the season finale called No Small Parts. No Small Parts, I think, perfectly wrapped up the inaugural season because first point, it left me wanting more, especially after, you know, that scene at the very end. Definitely wanted me to watch more and invest more. Um, It left me satisfied because a lot of the character arcs came to conclusion and showed their potential, I guess is a good way to say, their potential forward. So we weren't just tying up loose ends to tie up loose ends. They capped the character arcs and then moved forward. And they provided that alley. And I really enjoyed that as opposed to the typical, okay, season finale, let's do something crazy. Maybe do a two-parter that go into season two like the old Treks did. No, I, I, I was really impressed with how the creative team decided to kind of fill this out. So again, Boimler learns that Mariner and Freeman are related, their mother and daughter, and it goes through the ship like wildfire. I was really surprised that the pack lid were the villains in this season finale. Now, if you remember the pack lids, they came from the TNG episode Samaritan snare where Jordy beams over the ship to help their fumbling, I think it was a warp core or something like, or a plasma conduit or something. And he goes over to help and they capture him and kidnap him to work on their ship forever. And they have all of this amazing technology because they're scavengers, but they're just big bumbling idiots pretty much. So the fact that these were the baddies and a very formidable opponent, oh my gosh. I mean, talk, I mean, if you guess if you scavenge enough, you'll be able to come up with some pretty BA ships. And I guess that's what happened with the Packlids because we see like two or three of them, you know? And they ripped the um, they ripped the Solvang apart and it destroyed the Solvang. And so it kind of showed the seriousness of the Packlids because when you saw them at the first interact with the, with the ship Solvang, you're like, okay, whatever. These are just morons. It's like, oh no, they got some game, brother. And they are throwing heat, 98 mile per hour heat. I definitely liked how it showed like the nonsense got put behind. And now it's a great comedy show. Don't get me wrong, but this was a great episode of action. It was a great episode of 
kind of having the Saratos working together, senior staff, lower deck people. And I mean, if they didn't do that, the whole ship would have been dismantled, been ripped apart and they would have all died. So um, it's nice to see that at the end of the season, these two teams working together. And I mean, it's been hinted at before, but now we see it come in full, full force, full, like this is their whole potential. This is what they can do. And it's, it's kind of a little nod to the tip of the cap, in my opinion, that, hey, the senior staff aren't the only people that can save the day. I have to say, the decision to bring back Badgie, brilliant. <laughs> and also that Badgie succeeded. He killed, he killed Shrek or, or Shrek or whatever his name is. <laughs> um, he killed him, the, the head security officer. And I mean, he was kind of like not really a deep character. He's very one-sided, like shoot him up, bang, bang type of guy. But I mean, they killed somebody, right? So I didn't expect that, number one. But number two, that um, having Badgie back and then having Rutherford lose his kind of that implant now sets up season two where he can't remember everything and he has to kind of make his friendship up again with Tendi. And so will his personality be the same? Will his kind of work ethic be the same? Like we, we just don't know because I mean, and this is a great way to say it. Like normally we see like, for example, Jordy, when Jordy was on the enterprise and we come in, Jordy has been wearing that visor for like, five or 10 years, you know, he's been with it a long time. He knows how it works. He's going, but this is what I loved about lower decks is that they made you see Rutherford at the very beginning where he doesn't know how to work it. He's kind of all over the place. And it kind of, again, brings a sense of realism to the Trek universe that we wouldn't have had before. Because at, when you just watch TNG, you see Jordy's visor, you're like, Oh, okay. But you don't think like, well, what's it, what it would have been like the first day or two? Cause he has all these different light spectrums and he can, I mean, how do you operate? And so I really appreciated them bringing in that Rutherford element. And then now that that's away, and now he's just human again, again, a great opportunity to bridge that gap and see how he'll develop without it and his personality comes back. So really great job by the writing. And again, provide that comedic realism that I guess the other treks kind of just go over. And again, touching on Shaq's death. Is it Shaq's Shaq's? Luna doesn't know either. Okay. Um, it's S-H-A-X. Shax? <laughs> I may cut all this. Anyway, um, to see his death also provides to me like a realistic thing. So there are consequences. Like people could die in this Lower Decks universe. We kind of see sometimes in other treks, but it's it's usually not unless there's a big contract dispute like um, Terry Falwell, not Terry Falwell, like with Jadzia Dax and Denise Crosby on Star Trek and they just get written off. However, I will say the best like two minutes of the whole season. Oh my gosh. When the Titan shows up and Riker and Troy, Oh man, it's just, do you know what? Let's play it. Let's play some clip. Yeah, we'll play We'll play a clip when they show up. Here it goes. party and I wasn't invited? It's about time you showed up, Will. Mariner, this makes us even. You know Riker? Yeah, who do you think hooks me up with all my contraband? Dude is flush with Romulan ale and... I'm sorry, what was that? Uh, 
We're still in red alert. Target those ships and fire. We're talking about this later. I mean, talk about a wonderful moment because, I mean, Lower Decks always like, in my opinion, clearly favored the TNG like references, you know, like they had some DS9, maybe one or two Voyager and a couple, oh, actually a couple Enterprise, but they clearly favored TNG. And I love that they brought this to a climax <laughs> with Riker and Troy on the bridge. And I mean, it just, it just seemed like a perfect way to kind of end the season and get us ready for um, season two. Yeah, it was just the theme song coming in and Riker yelling red alert. Is just, I, I, I nerded out a little too hard about that. But <laughs> and I mean, like I said before in this in this episode, now that Boimler is on the Titan, we guarantee to see maybe some more cameos. And it kind of sets up, in my opinion, an interesting storyline to see how he gets back to the Cerritos. Because we all know he's going back to the Cerritos. It's just how is he going to either screw up or get reassigned? One of the two. Again, going into that Freeman, Mariner, mother-daughter relationship. So we see that come to conclusion. We see to it come to a culmination that that mother-daughter relationship can finally function and work on the Cerritos. That Mariner's going to break all the rules and do what she has to do to get the job done. And Freeman will ask her to do that while Freeman can still abide by the rules and, and protect Mariner if she needs it, like if she gets in trouble or anything. So I'm curious to see how that relationship is going to develop, but it definitely has become a jewel of the show. To me personally, like I mentioned before, when we saw Lower Decks get immediately picked up for season two before season one ever came out, I had to know, man, CBS, they they like it. I mean, they must have real confidence in the show and after watching season one, oh yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And I'm very excited. Very, I mean, I, I wanted to give it a chance and I'm glad I did. And if you haven't watched it, but have listened to these reviews, definitely check it out. Um, even if it may not seem like your thing, just see how you like it. Cause it's definitely, I feel like going to be maybe in a couple years going to be just an amazing show that people are going to want to jump in on. So get on the train right now, hop on <laughs> and hop on. When it's early, so you can be a hipster and be like, I saw it before it became super cool. Thank you for listening so much. And that has been our final season one Lower Decks review. I think the perfect way to sum up Lower Decks is that, and I wrote this down in my notes after watching the season finale, was that, it's a show Star Trek needed and in my opinion deserved because it was something to make fun of. I mean, because before the franchise is always so serious. Now we have some funny episodes, but we needed something to kind of really poke fun of itself while still delivering that great heart and writing that we see in Star Trek. So I'm very happy with how they wrap things up. But anyway, I'm happy to announce that I've gotten the Roundtable together again. I've assembled the news team. Luna Kewitt. News team! Assemble! And we are coming back this week to review none other than TNG classic episode, The Drumhead 
from season four. Yes, the drum head. I mentioned it on the last round table. I think this is the perfect, great Star Trek. It's my favorite Star Trek episode. So hopefully the other guys enjoy it. We are scheduled to record this week. And of course, I would get that out the next couple days. So be on the lookout for that. I'll update social media with any news or info with that. Speaking of social media, you can hit us up on Instagram at Omega Particle Podcast and on Twitter at Omega Particle underscore. Um, a couple weeks ago, I was talking about an app and somebody reached out to me and I got through with it. It just, it didn't seem like the quality like I liked. It seemed just very like, bless their heart, the guys were working hard on it, but it just wasn't something that I, I really wanted to put my name on and, and attribute to. So yeah, just, just not something I think is a good addition of the OPP social media branch. So um, yeah, but if there's anything on news or updates, very excited for the roundtable this week and also turning out a discovery review this week as well. So can't wait for that. Love you guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. And always remember, second star of the right, straight on till morning. <laughs>